Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 188 and we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, everybody, and hey, congratulations, Jen! <laughs> Yay! After years, years, perhaps even a decade, Jen has officially graduated college. What was your degree in technical writing? Professional and technical writing. I am now have and technical. a BA in professional and technical writing. Finally. Yay. I keep telling people is that it's technically not my first degree. I do have an AA from El Camino College. Right. But an A mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Back in the day, that was all you needed to be successful, own a house, and like take all the vacations you wanted. Yeah. And now I think it's... No less than a master's. Yeah, no, yeah. A BA <laughs> isn't even cutting it anymore. Yeah. A BA is just to like consider you for an internship now. Um, um, master's is like it, the the bar just keeps getting higher, and I'm just all like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get a master's unless whatever whoever it is that hires me is paying for it. So I'm good. Ah, I'm Gucci. Oh, good that's plan. a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent plan. Well, we're so excited for you. And when you come down to LA, we got to go out and celebrate. Let's go drinking. Let's pass <laughs> and out. Eating. Blackout potentially. And eating. Yeah. <laughs> and eating. Yes. We were just talking about all the places we want to hit up and eat because there's so many great places out there to eat and stuff. So I'm so excited for you. I'm really happy. And I'm so happy your family all got to go down there and celebrate in your amazingness. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Amazing. (laughs) Miss Marvelous. (laughs) It's it's exciting because it's, it's like, I am still the first person to graduate from my family. And it is something that, I mean, I thought at a a certain point, I thought it wasn't going to happen or anything like that. It took me a very long time. But it all goes to show that it can be done. You just got to do it. Honestly, I ha- I hold you in the highest regard for going back when you did and, you know, working and going to school at the same time at your age. And not that you're some little old lady, but <laughs> it's hard it to is go hard. back after you've been gone for a while. Like right now, me listening to you talk about school assignments and thinking about Going back at my age, I'm like, nope, I, I don't have the patience for it. I don't, I'm not interested in having to stay up all night writing papers. I'm already staying up all night doing reports. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, nope, it's not for me. Like I, if I ever would have done it, I should have just continued on uh, out of BA because you're in that mindset. You're in that student mindset and your student mindset is completely different than a regular mind- life mindset. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. The student mindset is like, got to do papers, got to do stuff like this, got to like hang out with friends, talk about like ideologies and shit like that. And then the reward yeah. is just a, like, shut up. Don't talk to me. Uh, I want to go home. I'm here to make money. Maybe talk to a few people if I like them. Plus, also, I'm you know merits to you because you went through you went through school to through COVID, um, also through a broken bones, oh, that's right. yeah, and a slight concussion. I'm just like, Dude. yeah, I broke I broke limbs twice because I broke my yeah. ankle before before yeah. this before oh, I even right. left Los Angeles. I broke my ankle and then I broke my wrist. And then I got a concussion. I haven't broken anything else, but 
the year's not over yet. So we'll see. Oh my God. I hope <laughs> it runs smoothly. I, we got to wish it into the yeah, universe. I'm sure you've been breaking hearts left and right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Who has time for that? <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana, and we have some juicy chisme. Kristen, what's the juicy chisme? Ugh. Spill the tea, el té. We do have juicy chisme, but first, before we go into the juicy chisme, I want to, to talk about some sad chisme, because when you called Jen Miss Marvelous, it reminded me that <laughs> this week in Amazing Spider-Man number 26, they killed Kamala Khan. And for those of you who are Wait, listening to this- what? Yes. Yes. Fucking oh my excuse God, yes. me. Yes. Yes. In the middle of um, Asian American Heritage Month, nonetheless. Great timing. Um, they killed Kamala Khan. So um, it had been uh, chisme on the um, internets for quite some time that there was going to be a major death in this uh, issue. But everybody was surmising that it was Mary Jane. And so uh, when... When that happened, everyone was like, what? No. And they were all upset. And and uh, turns out that it leaked about two weeks ago that it was going to be Kamala. Uh, and it was very upsetting to a lot of people. And uh, I mean, it's comics. So um, what a lot of people are um, guessing is that because of her MCU um, character kind of being more closely linked to X-Men that they are going to bring her back in that way because right now in the comics the X-Men on Krakoa have developed a way to bring people back um, from the dead and so that is a whole thing um, but what they what people are guessing is that the comics they're going to do that to more closely um, either create or be re relatable to the her storyline that's going on in the MCU mm -hmm. So there's that. Sorry to bring that news. But like yes, it. it just released two days ago. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It's very How fucking um, dare they? But how <laughs> dare they? Yeah, actually, no, I'm mad. Like, yeah. how dare they do that? Yep. Like, oh, God. It's like she hasn't even been a comic book character for like 10 years. Come on. Like, give her at least that mark. Yep. Fucking hell. Yep. Uh, freaking animals honestly <laughs> jeez and the timing was just horrific yeah yeah sorry the cheese that sarah is alluding to is the cheese that eisner award best graphic novel nominee uh thomas woodruff has withdrawn his uh name from the eisner nomination that he received this year and actually he received a couple of them um he received a nomination for best graphic album uh best painter multimedia artist best lettering and best publication design so um this is tying him uh for second place on the list of nominations uh for this year's eisner awards but the stuff that has come out about this person is like beyond like I'm I'm reading these things and I can't even believe that this one person can be this horrendous and continue to be employed or actually 
be nominated with nobody in the industry knowing that these are the things he did. So some of the things that has happened since he was nominated is that, um, he was a, he was an actual professor, a teacher, um, at SVA. And what was SVA? The, the school for visual arts school of visual yes. arts. So mm-hmm. he, um, he started having some of his students coming out and alleging that his teaching methods were super harsh and very inappropriate with sexism and racism overtones. Um, in addition, uh, it was claimed that he consistently looked down on cartooning students, which ironically, I mean, he is being Eisner nominated uh, for comics and, and, you know, the cartooning world. And uh, they basically are saying that um, he also participated in cultural appropriation um, in this book where he has written about an orphaned child um that is seemingly of South Asian heritage who goes feral and is raised with indigenous trappings while also scaring the wildlife with erotic urges. Now that is what this, (laughs) that is what this (laughs) article is saying. And my mind is just like racing. Like, what does that mean? Like, is he like trying to sexually assault animals and like bestiality yeah and so i'm just like what the heck and is going on here um there is um a whole bunch of students coming out and speaking against uh, out against him uh and it's also putting the spotlight on the judges of uh of the eisners because apparently the group is not very diverse this year so um there is a lot of scrutiny uh over woodruff but also over the judging this year so i'm interested to see um what comes from that but he has withdrawn himself so he's not even in the running anymore but um, he's definitely in the middle of being canceled. I've never even heard of him before, so um, it's not going to take much for me to never think about him again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the stuff you uncovered, uh, for instance, like how he painted um, a, a portrait of Donald Trump with his feces yes. and proceeded to scan this portrait on the school scanner, making his students clean the scanner up after he used it. Yep, that's horrible that is disgusting it is disgusting disgusting like first of all it's a trash human being yes first of all that is so unsanitary just do it on your own scanner at home i'm sure you have one (laughs) um but then to not to like force your students to clean up after you that like that's some kind of like power trip going on right there uh, to feel like you have that much entitlement and power over another human being to clean up your feces. Like, that's ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. It, that that to me, I was just like, oh, my God, I could just, ugh, that's, ugh. And that's so crazy because even Jen was familiar with this fellow. Yeah. And because it's, it was funny because on Twitter, and I follow a lot of artist people on Twitter, people who have gone to SBA and stuff like that. Um, And so it was like, it blew up really, really big. When when we had been talking about it earlier, I had just kind of been like drifting off. And then I like tuned back in once they, you guys were saying like mentions of bestiality. And I'm just like, wait, what the hell is, what are you guys talking about? And then the I connected the dots. <laughs> and I remember that it was this guy on Twitter. And like there was a lot of stuff. 
like a lot of stuff that people were saying and like accusations and stuff like that with receipts with receipts if you look this guy up or just put like sba eisner award stuff like that like there's an article from comic speed that they compiled some really good stuff on it uh but just on twitter itself too like this dude was not a good person um also he is the retired head of the illustration and cartooning department at sva whoa and he was nominated for best graphic album um, a new Best Painter Multimedia Artist for Interior Art, Best Lettering, and Best Publication Design. Uh, yeah. And so this dude had been, like, nominated for a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> what what even is, like, I'm trying to, like, just about, like, drawn and composed by Mr. Thomas Woodruff. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, it, it's just... It's really funny when someone comes into the industry and is trying to, like, cater towards it. And in a way, I am mad because the Eisner Awards basically awarded him. He might not have won anything, but he got recognition for something that... So whatever this dude thinks about cartooning and all that, he was just validated on all of it. Because he was just like, Mm -hmm. I can probably just throw some shit on a paper and they'll be like, oh my god, I'm, like, so great that I'll, like, be... I'll kill it immediately. So He literally did throw shit on a paper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He did, actually. Yeah. And so this guy has just been validated this entire time. So I'm glad he that people are calling him out for this shit. Because this isn't canceling. This is this is payback, bitch. Um uh so you know what? Good. Good that good that he withdrew his nomination. He doesn't deserve it, especially for someone and like we've like know people who are like denigrate denigrate like comics and stuff like that and then but when the opportunity comes for them to make money they're like oh my god never mind i'm actually like just really good at this and i really love it what's my favorite comic book oh uh whatever was on the back of the sunday newspaper that's my favorite (laughs) yeah and so you know what it's good because the eisner's awards is about it's not only just like recognizing talent and up and coming talent and stuff like that but it's also celebrating this format that is still isn't taken very seriously like the eisner awards might be like the it for it but it's still not like viewed very very highly in like the literary sphere or in the fine art sphere or in stuff like that so having something somebody like that who had those views be nominated i don't know stinky Again, literally. Yes, <laughs> literally stinky. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Okay, so On My Radar this week is a book that I am looking forward to reading. It is from the Scout comics imprint chispa which we all know is the latinx imprint uh, of scout comics and it is a book called thanks romina and it is written by julie speziani and if you are familiar with that name it's because we actually um read cash and carry one of the books that she helped write and create yes yes i remember usnavi yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we actually um we uh we read and reviewed that book and we met her at the very first inaugural um 
back then, East, East LA Comic Con. Uh, she was there, and that's where we bought the book. And then we took it and we read it and we reviewed it, and we loved it. So she is um, the writer and artist on Thanks, Romina. And it looks like it's kind of like a slice of life um, book. And it's uh, the description says, after an unpaid internship upon graduating from college, young Latina Romina starts a job as an account coordinator at Lockroy Post, a television post-production house. But her first day feels like an unmitigated disaster. Romina has no office yet. The team is dealing with server issues and push deadlines. Yet Clay, the co-worker who is supposed to show her the ropes, keeps foisting paperwork on her rather than letting her help. On a phone call, her sister and father insist she should abandon ship and pursue a master's. But Romina decides to stay and prove herself no matter what. So, um, like I said, it sounds like a Slice of Life book. I am really uh, loving all the Slice of Life stuff that I've been seeing recently out of Scout. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I'm also doubly invested because Julie is going to be in the shop on June 28th, the day that this book releases to do a signing at Heidi Hill Comics. Oh, that's super exciting. Yes. So Yay. and it's so cool when we meet uh creators who both draw and write their comics. That's all I always say that's so much work and for them to do it so well and that's just a labor of love and I think that's amazing. Yes, definitely. Oh, the skill, the talent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's that time again. It's La Hora de la Cervecita. And today we are drinking. It's from Denmark. It's <laughs> called Carlsberg, a premium elephant pilsner. Um, I got this at um, when they were closing Alpine Village in Torrance, the home of Oktoberfest. <laughs> no more. Um, I'm very sad about that. I'm still sad. I'm still mourning that loss. But so I got this beer from there. So it's like from Denmark and it has it's a gold can. And, you know, I'm always about the IPA. So I thought I'd get this Pilsner. And so um, I'm pretty sure you can get this at like Bevmo or something. It is a 7.2 Pilsner. That is unheard of. They are doing it oh right in God. Denmark. Wow. <laughs> it says that it is unforgettable. Pale golden color, elephant is rich in malty character with a hint of caramel balanced by a satisfyingly dry bitterness. Once enjoyed, never forgotten. Okay, that's a bold that's statement. What, that's what all my sex partners say about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the offhand, the smell is not very attractive, but it is a Pilsner, so I'm going to give it a go. I do. I like it. It smells like apples. It smells good. Yeah, you it like smells it? like apples. Well, let me just say, I've been smelling Taffy's blood since yesterday. Mm. This like metallic Aww. scent in the air. So, and by the way, Taffy is my dog. So, um, let's taste the beer. Okay. Oh my god, not bad at all. Ooh. I'm I'm surprised. This is tasty. It is. It's pretty freaking delicious. It is pretty golden. Yes. Oh yeah, it looks good. That good color. So when I opened mine, a whole bunch of foam came up. And so I was waiting for it to kind of go down so I could drink it. But it won't go down. So I'm just sipping the foam. And even the <laughs> foam has a lot of flavor. I'm actually really 
pleasantly surprised, Sarah. I'm surprised too, guys. I only chose it because it's a Pilsner. It's something different. You know, we don't usually get Pilsners here. And I love the can art because it's gold with like a, a dark, uh, like a forest green font. And um, it has a little elephant on the top of the can and on the side of the can. And I thought... Damn, this is really cute, creative. I like it. It's very llamativo. It's like it walk, it beckons you. Is what it is. It beckons you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we can all agree that it's just Mexico that makes their pilsners watery and tasteless. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> sorry, Mexico. <laughs> so don't Couldn't ever judge all the pilsners by that standard, um, because this is really, really flavorful. Um, I really enjoyed a lot, and it would make an amazing shandy. Mm, that is an excellent You're, that idea. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I wish I had some lemonade. Yeah, <laughs> that tastes good. It's so-called Bach beer brewed from the, brewed for the first time in 1959. Really? Interesting. Yeah. It has apple, <gasps> melon, banana, caramel flavors, balance oh, of dry bitterness, Jen and hints of Jen tasted the apple right off the bat, or smelled the apple right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bark, nuts, and pine needles. What? Well, I am like, you know what? I'm going to look for this because it's really Every good. Every once in a I, while, really... my nose works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that uh, Alpine Village used to specialize in uh, imported beers. So I'm wondering if this is a beer that uh, you can find yes. at other places consistently yes i saw here that it's available at total wine oh okay cool and more instacart it says here uh-huh. uh what else um uh, i'm sure like like at uh, places that are like it says vons oh wow too. okay okay then yeah. it's a very widely distributed beer mm-hmm. yeah well it's pretty goddamn tasty I know I had my eye on it some time ago uh, back when we used to go to Torn's Beer Cellar. Oh. Um, because they had this like European section yes, they did. with. Uh, and so I used to kind of have my eye on it, but it wasn't until the Alpine Village was closing that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take it. I've been eyeing it for a while because of the can. Okay, so this is what, like our second or third Alpine Village beer. Did you just go in and completely uh, yes. take everything <laughs> that was left? <laughs> yes, I really wanted to take more, but they didn't really lower the prices uh, as much as I thought. Uh, and so if they had lowered it more, I would have yeah. freaking take a big old cart of we just We would be drinking beer. Alpine Village beers for like the next couple of months. Months, yeah, it would be <laughs> months and months of Alpine Village beer. But um, no, this is the last one um, because, like I said, and then this one in particular, when we left the um, the shop, um, I put my a bag down because I stole a geranium cutting from <laughs> one of the flower pots, uh-huh. and when I when I hoisted it back up. I didn't drop it, but when I hoisted it back up, there was a there was a tiny hole in one of the beers, and it was just like dripping everywhere. So I went back, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, this one has a hole in it. Can I get another one? I just need one beer. And they were like, no. And I was like, really? I mean, I did not do this on purpose. And then she looked at the security guard, and she's like, you know what? Just go back there, take one. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, you guys are closing tomorrow. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. like, why are you gonna make? You know, what are you going to make trouble, you know, mm-hmm. seriously? But yeah, she kind of took a second. She kind of thought it over and she's like, you know what? We're closing tomorrow. Just go get it. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, screw it. But yeah, no, uh, this definitely my game. This is delicious. 
Like I am shocked. This I think this is by far my favorite pilsner. If I I don't even I'm not even a pilsner drinker, but this is definitely hands down my favorite pilsner. This beer is a higher ABV than most basic bitch IPAs, which are like six, six five. This is a seven two. Yes. Yes, it's uh, it's quite elegant. It's flavorful. And Jen called it freaking apple in there, melon. I didn't, you know, it was, uh, yeah. So um, I think just my nose was just, you know, in the, it, what happened <laughs> yesterday. So I think, I think it was all fu- messed up. So, but the taste is exquisite. I, I think this is the Pilsner to beat for sure. Mm. Oh, and I like that it's a slight aftertaste on your tongue of the pine. It it's just great. I I oh my god, I can't say anymore. I this is this has been a good beer. One de la cervecita. All right, guys, are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. So we have a five point rating scale. Uh, one is unsatisfied. Two is actually one is very unsatisfied. Two is unsatisfied. A three is neutral. A four is satisfied. And a five is very satisfied. If it's something that we completely hate and are never going to want to put in our mouth again, that is a flaccid. And a six out of five is a super saiyan. So um, I'll go ahead and get started. And I am giving it a five out of five. Very satisfied. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, It has a lot of body to it for a Pilsner. I think it is very um, flavorful. There's a lot of uh, notes in there that, like you were saying, Sarah, they, you taste the fruity stuff in the front. And then at the end, there's the pine. The bouquet is I I smell I smelled very appetizing to me when I opened it, um, and the flavor was just um, really uh, amazing. So I'm giving it a five out of five. Um, this is Sarah, and I'm gonna give it a super saiyan. This thing just grabbed me by the balls and just <laughs> tossed me around, and then let go, and I hit the and I hit the wall. It's very good. I'm just super impressed uh about this pilsner i can't get enough of it and and you uh recommending it in a shandy just kind of send my mind like just floating just i can only imagine like i I, you know i want to go and find a four pack and when we get together you're gonna make a shandy (laughs) because uh it looks it just is amazing so i'm super happy with it super same for me how about you jen uh i am gonna give it a five out of five as well um because it was really really good um, uh, it smelled really good. Immediately once I poured it out, I was like, oh, this smells like apples. Um, and I really like the taste. You guys have pretty much covered like what it is. It's got like, it's got like a full, like it's really full bodied. It's not watery at all. It's got tons of flavor. It's very nuanced in flavor with like kind of the fruity notes in the front. And then the more like uh, earthy kind of nutty tones towards um, uh, the b- tail end of the beer. And it just, it's really, really tasty. So I'm going to give it a five out of five. Awesome. That has been our beer review. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So we are reviewing Dear Body. Uh, our bodies, our rules, our stories. It's an anthology uh, of stories told by women of varying ages uh, and basically uh, put into 
a comic book form. And this was originally, it wasn't not originally in English because it shows here that it was translated, but I don't, I read the foreword, but I don't remember what, um, what, you know, it gave me the impression that it was from France because there was a couple of stories that were like based in France. Yes. I think you're right. I think I read that somewhere. Um, so, uh, the creator, Leah Bourdieu, which also is a French name, <laughs> um, says that this was um, an idea that was born on a sleepless night. Uh, she had a sudden urge to get women to talk about their relationships with their bodies. These bodies, very different from those we have seen in magazines since we were children, tell intimate stories that can resonate with everyone. Um, and so, like I said, the stories are being told from, uh, different women from different ages. There's, um, young girls stories in here. The very first story is, um, a 71 year old woman. Um, and, um, they all are very poignant, uh, in their own stories that they are sharing. And I was very, very, just like you said, Sarah, during the day, we got a message from you that was like, dear bodies is already making me feel some type of way. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. And as I was reading it, I was like, oh, Sarah's going to have a lot to say. <laughs> You know, I just love that each story has its own art and its own letter. Um, and it it really um, has a great connection to their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I felt I can feel that it was translated from another language, but it wasn't severe. Um, I did. And it's so weird because I know it's a different language and I know there was a little bit of uh, I could feel that it was from another language. But the initial first story about the 71 year old I just felt like it, she could have been Mexican uh-huh. like for me she was Mexican like the way that she describes that her family didn't talk about her body yeah um and how she was confused as a girl saying that if she kissed a boy she would get pregnant mm-hmm. and how her dad said if you get pregnant you're out of here mm-hmm. but then he changes his mind that's like so Mexican yeah like that could be like my cousin's story yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like it just it just felt so familiar in the sense that I've heard this happened to someone in my family you know kind of thing um and I love the artwork in that and I love how um, because we don't really get to read a lot of stories about older people. Um, it's such a mystery, I think. And a lot of the times they are not presented, especially in a comic book medium. So I feel that this, it, starting off with this first story about a woman that's in her 70s was just kind of a brilliant way to like set the tone for the rest of the book. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because that was one of the thoughts that I first had when I was reading it was that... A 72-year-old woman especially uh, is a lot of times um, invisible Mm -hmm. in society. Like they've already passed their prime of childbearing. They are not seen visually appealing, sexy, whatever. Um, And even women who are in the age range who are actresses are portrayed much younger um, or are like saying that they're younger than they really are. And when they are playing quote unquote, their age, they're the grandmother or, you know, the elderly aunt or whatever. And so it's very 
um, I thought important that the older women that were telling their stories um, were being seen um, because what I think we often forget with uh, older members of society is that they all had a history, uh, sexual history, uh, physical, being active, and we forget that as people age. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, I that like really resonated with me um, because I'm uh, I'm not too far from seventy. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm glad you said that because I feel like we're doing this podcast right, and I just don't see us stopping. Uh-huh. I don't see us nope. like ever like stopping and i feel like we're gonna be like the little grandmas at the at the conventions just you know i just and i was like fuck it let's be the grandmas at this convention you know i'm fine with that like um but you're right like like sometimes when we do conventions i feel like are people gonna be disappointed that i'm this so much older than Uh i may sound on the podcast but that's just kind of my inner self critiquing my inner self like yeah like, like you this book. exactly like this book. exactly yes. like this book so and that was also great is that even the younger girls um were all, all their stories were talking about how they finally were able to come to tor- terms with loving themselves and loving their bodies for who and what they were um because i think that we don't realize as young girls all of the messages that are being bombarded um, from media, TV, movies, magazines uh, of the um, the like way that we are being told that we have to be, and mostly for the approval of men. Yes, uh, yes. and and so I think that that was. Um, really interesting and cool in all of these stories, mostly even some of the younger ones where they were finally coming to terms with, they didn't need to be the uh, appealing to for other people. They just needed to love themselves. And the one that really stuck with me was the overweight woman. Yes. Who was just like, I just want to live in peace. Like, leave me alone. Like I, you are trying to put your own, um, thoughts and and morals and thought and you know beauty standards on me and i'm perfectly happy leave me alone yeah yes and uh one of the things that i remember from that story was yeah i'll buy a size eight in a pair of shoes a, yeah. i thought that was yeah. brilliant i was like Dude. i can't even buy a size eight <laughs> shoes. but i just thought that was just such a beautiful kind of like outcry like you're not going to make me feel bad for right. who I am. Yeah. Like that was just beautiful. The one that really got to me was Lena. And that's the girl who developed breasts before all her oh, friends. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the breasts because I do not have big breasts. The part that got to me was um, when she was getting so much attention mm-hmm. from like 40 and 50 year old men. Yep. And I'm like, dude, I'm right there with her. Like I remember turning to men that were catcalling me as I walked home from school I would turn to them I'm like I'm fucking 13 Mm -hmm. like shut the fuck up you asshole and I felt I I started wearing baggy sweaters and because I I have a big but I had a big butt like it was of course without gravity like back then of course it looked (laughs) tremendous but I was so ashamed of it yeah 
And so I kept wearing these shirts that would cover my butt and all this stuff. And that one guy who exposed themselves to mm-hmm. to her and her friends, and she felt like I caused this. Yeah. Like if I didn't have big breasts, like I wouldn't have had this happen to us. Like she was blaming herself. I remember going uh, walking home from school with my aunt. And when I say my aunt, she was like two years older. Mm-hmm. So like we're basically almost the same age. We're walking home and this guy in this small white pickup truck, like the little 1980s trucks, like, you know, little yeah. four yeah. by four. Little somebody. Toyota. Toyotas, yes. He pulls up and he's like, can I get directions? And my aunt is like, she gets a little closer to the window and she's trying to explain, you know, and I and I, I would pull on her shirt and I was like, we're not supposed to talk to strangers because I was such a geek. That <laughs> You're not supposed to talk to strangers. We got to go. We got to go. Like, you know, like a total weirdo. <laughs> and uh, then the guy proceeds to say, I'll give you $100 each if you do it with your mouth. <gasps> I was just... I was scared. I was angry. I wanted to cry. I wanted to run. I was paralyzed with fear. It was just a whole myriad of emotions. And I just like felt like this story just really unlocked that memory for me. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we got away. But there are fucking creepy motherfuckers out there who don't give a fuck. I'm so sorry. I'm swearing. But we're young girls and we are. Well, I'm not young anymore, but. As a young girl, I got catcalled more before I turned 16 than after I was over yep. the 18. I used to work with it's- girls involved in the juvenile justice system, as I've spoken about before. And um, some of the girls were sex workers. And um, we would meet weekly for um, just like uh, groups where we would do like life skills and stuff like that. And... One evening, we were waiting in the alley behind the um, building that we would have our weekly meetings, and we were waiting for the taxis to come pick them up because we would give them rides and taxis home. And we're waiting there, and this guy pulls up um, next to us and uh, approach not doesn't like drives close and rolls down his window, and. Um, asks them where are the young girls and oh my god and they are 15 and 16 and he's asking them where are the young girls and when i heard what he said i ran over to the car and i started yelling at him i took all his information and i called the police and the police came but i mean he was already gone but i mean he specifically asked for 12 year olds I yeah. could hear him. Oh my god! I and I, ugh, I mean, I I have watched SBU, the Special Victims Unit, uh, but I still am shocked constantly that there's so many people that have deviant sexual desires for young girls that they don't. They say, oh, no, that's just the way I love. No, motherfucker, you're fucking imposing your sexuality on a young person that absolutely cannot defend themselves. It's sickening because anyway, it's not about just, it's it's about power. Power. It's control, always about yep. power. Yeah. Ugh. Awful. 
Awful. So we deviated a little bit uh, a little on a small bit. part yeah. of this one story, but I think it also just comes back to the point of a lot of these stories revolved around these women feeling really horrible about themselves because they didn't see themselves meeting the standard of what they thought society uh, tells women that they need to meet. And it's funny because the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, I used to worry about being, you know, overweight or not having blonde hair or my boobs. My thing was my boobs were always too big. And so I hated that because I could never find top. My tops would always fit me up to, to my breastbone and then they wouldn't close. And I could never buy any of the cute clothes because of it. So, um, and as I as I got older, I got attention because I I developed early too. I got my period in fifth grade and my boobies were already coming in. And, um, and it's just as you get older, you recognize just how much uh, young girls, how we hold ourselves to such unrealistic standards and that it fucks us up so bad. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I think it's... Oh. A lot of people don't realize just how uncomfortable they are with their own bodies as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Just, um, um, and especially like, a, like women's or like female or women presenting bodies, they're just, they're always so intensely scrutinized, so mm-hmm. intensely like uh, judged as well, that it's, it's disconcerting. Uh, and this, and it's not just like about like weight and beauty and stuff like that. It's also like skin. It's also like and like you can't be you can never be you can't be too tall but you can't be too short you can't be mm-hmm. you can't be too skinny but you can't be too fat either it's just like it's it's awful and even in like seemingly like accepting or um, um or more open communities there's still a standard or a a certain yeah. look that is valued over that or that is like considered like beautiful or normal uh and then there's always people that don't fit it so right just uh, uh yeah like you yeah like you were you're saying about that like one of the stories in here uh my my yalan uh how she was the only person mm-hmm. of color in france in her school and like she couldn't come to terms with you know how to kind of celebrate her culture and who she was and her skin and her hair um, so I totally get what you're saying, Jen. I mean, that's actually t- totally hitting the nail on the head for this story. Oh here. yeah, no, one hundred percent. Even like, like personal. I mean, this isn't like really super serious, and I've gotten over it. But when I was like a teenager, I, I was deeply considering using bleaching products, and I'm already pretty pale, Nama, compared to like my sister or um uh, other brown people. But I wanted to be paler so bad to fit the like emo look or the goth uh girl look like I wanted to be pale so so bad and and it's still like um um like a stigma or like sometimes I'm like oh I would wear this I would like kill this outfit if I was just a little bit paler and then I'm like wait nope we're falling into bad habits again cancel that thought I can still rock this outfit even no matter what (laughs) But it's like it's stuff like that. It's like little things, like these things that we don't think about, but that are just enforced through culture, through mm-hmm. values, through like TV, through 
like all the things like what is considered beautiful and where is it considered beautiful as well yeah i also love this book because not only does it hit on like maybe but like body kind of shaming a self body shaming but also on medical issues like anorexia and the other one not endometriosis but um i think it was called um vestibulodynia uh, which is kind of an inflammation of the vaginal walls which makes sex very painful and a lot of people are not talking about it. Not many people know about it. And she went to several doctors and several blood tests and all these tests. And people are like, it's in your head. It's in your head. It's really important to, for people to voice their stories. And that way people can say, hey, I'm feeling like that too. And maybe shine a light on that. I really enjoyed the one where um, there was, a, uh, I guess, upkeeping in the bathroom and there's like a monologue oh, yeah. uh, or like a conversation with oneself. Like, why are you plucking? Why are you shaving? Why are you like, yeah. ask yourself, why are you wearing the bra? Is it for you? Is it for them? Who's it for? And I thought that was really refreshing. Uh, there was the one uh, about uh, the girl that got shot. And so that created scars. I thought that story was really good cool because the actual paneling was kind of interesting and very creative um the other lady who needed to get her scars tattooed in order to not be the person she was but the person she has become i mean i i can go on there there's a lot of wonderful stories here and the art is just amazing each one of them has their own art um i think this one uh, uh there was another one with cerebral palsy cerebral cerebral palsy uh -huh, i believe uh -huh. it's, and um that was a really positive story actually there was i mean she just felt like the challenges just made her who she was and wanted her to live more and i just thought that's amazing like yeah that one was that really get hung up that one was really uh positive and uh she turned her wheelchair uh she what did they call it uh something dancing i don't remember what it was but basically oh, yeah it was kind of a yeah performance yeah. for a wheelchair dancers uh -huh. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. Um, that the way that it was portrayed in the art, it, she just looked literally in a wheelchair, but she looks so free. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, and she even went to Cambodia to teach English. I mean, she was just she had no bounds, and I just thought that was so amazing because a lot of the stories here were kind of talking about like, I am not white enough. I'm not skinny enough. My hips are too big. My hair's too kinky. Um, I have too much facial hair or, you know, it just, and um, it was just, just such a treat to read. I really loved each story. It was just really amazing. Uh, the first two stories I think were really ones that hit me hard. And I think that was good that they put them at the front <laughs> And then and then led me down like the storyline of the other one. So it didn't feel so traumatic. I think it was really it was really well paced and I love the artwork. Each individual story had their particular artist and it was just really great. I do have to say some of the lettering was a little bit too small for me <laughs> just because um I wear glasses. I had to put like a light and kind of bring it up closer to me. But I think that had to do a lot with also the uh translation. Oh, where the uh, words may have been a different size in Fra French than in English. 
Hmm. What do you guys think? I didn't. I went, didn't think about that. But yeah, words are different lengths in different languages. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Maybe what was used to say what was used um, uh, to say something in French takes a lot more words in um, uh, English. So who knows? I mean, translation always is tricky. Maybe some of the words were a little bit cramped, but I didn't really pay attention to that. <laughs> well, you know, it's just I was I think I, because I was reading this at, at the um, at the doctor's office and stuff like that. So like the lighting wasn't um, what I really needed it to be. And I was wearing my glasses, but I still felt a little bit strained on some of them. Uh, only two stories, I believe, the ones with the kind of the cursive of uh, lettering but other than that it's just really really amazingly done i i think this was a they achieved what they wanted to achieve with this book so are we ready to actually rate it yeah yeah awesome i'm gonna start we didn't even talk about the queer uh story <laughs> that was amazing yes. i mean i was like i i i just um um what, okay, I want to share this because I thought it was really powerful for me. Um, it was uh, she's she's a gay woman who was raped in I think her junior year, and um, she went through a lot of like trauma during that. But one of the things she said is, "You just got raped because your consent and your body count less than some guy's sudden urge." And I was like floored. I was like, "Oh my god, preach." Uh, but anyways, so um, it just was a really powerful book for me. I just really uh, like I got sent back into the farthest reaches of my memory as as a kid. Um, I saw myself as I am now older. Um, I saw my friends in it. Like I said, some of these uh, like some of these could have been like Mexican stories, like my cousin could have been one of these characters. So I'm going to give it like the whole panaderia and a cup of espresso coffee. <laughs> nice. Uh, so this is Kristen and I, I really enjoy the anthologies that we read. And I particularly enjoyed that they offered such a wide variety of ages um, because I think women especially don't have um, a place or a voice in society throughout a lot of their lives. And the fact that we're giving as young as 14-year-old and as old as 71-year-old women voices uh, in to tell their stories here for for a topic that is just so personal and and um, intimate, I really enjoyed. So I am also giving it the whole panaderia. And I loved the art on all of them. And I really um, felt like it wasn't cookie cutter. Like they each one individually had its own uniqueness. Um, and I really liked that a lot. I am going to give it tres conchas and a cup of champurado as well. Because it was really good and it did make me feel things because I'm still very, I'm getting there with my body. One day, perhaps, her and I will get along. But for right now, <laughs> it's 50-50. Uh, but it, it is a good book, and I think it did cover wide, a wide range of bodies and ethnicities and um, um, gender, gender a little bit, because it is mostly about, I think, women and um uh, women's bodies but what that means is up for debate um uh, 
but uh, it does have a more feminine aspect to it. Um, but I still enjoyed it a lot. Excellent, guys. So that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? Today, I have Tri-City Monsters, uh, an adult visual novel about hot people that turn into monsters. <laughs> Ooh, I'm already <laughs> loving it. Oh, my God, yes. All right, let me read the synopsis that they have right here. Tri-City Monsters is an 18 and over, darkly supernatural urban visual novel about desperate people willing to risk everything. Encounter three mysterious love interests, each with their own compelling stories, and trapped in Faustian deals that turn them into demons. Play the demos to discover firsthand the huge supernatural underworld alive and well in your own backyard and get wrapped up in the excitement and danger that comes with the territory. If you enjoyed them, consider wishlisting wish the game on Steam. It really helps the game reach more people. Character demos are available uh, for Mori, Amir, and Akello on Itch.io, and it is available to wishlist on Steam. So, the story that they have is, what does it mean to be human? In Tri-City Monsters, you'll come face-to-face with the answers. Enter these cast enter these cast offs. You know, but you can also enter them. That's also an option. <laughs> enter these cast offs. Mori, Amir, and Akello all lead very separate lives with their own problems, but they all have one thing in common. They've traded their humanity for power. To what end? Well, you'll have to hear it straight from them once you've earned their trust. But they all got more than what they bargained for. And with some greater power making moves from the shadows, the dangers are a lot higher than any of them anticipated. Help them cope with what's happened to them by embracing their new demonic forms or by holding on to their humanity. The choice is yours. And maybe forge a deep and permanent connection in one form or another. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. So yes. the last time I was on so, Steam was for the uh, daddy dating uh, game. What was it called? Uh, daddy daycare. No, it was daddy something. No, dream, dream daddy. daddy. Dream daddy. <laughs> there we go. How could, oh, dream daddy. How could I forget your name for an instant? <laughs> so I think that that is definitely, um, I think that's definitely a good uh, indication that uh, I, I've, it's a good platform for things that grab my interest in that whole entire description and storyline that you just said. I am yeah. here for it. I am about to go download Steam back onto my computer. <laughs> <laughs> they have... The artwork looks amazing. So a little bit more about it is that so Tri-City Monsters is an urban horror flavored romance visual novel intended for adult audiences over the age of 18. It was first published as a single chapter entry in the 2021 Spooktober visual novel Game Jam, where a lot of people told um, uh, the creator that they liked it. Uh, from that point on, they wanted to, uh, they added two more chapter character concept chapters and even more people they were interested in. Uh, and you so and even more people expressed interest in it. Uh and they actually want to make the game the full game in itself free, 
The goal of the Kickstarter is to cover development po- costs of a prologue chapter chapter that introduces all um uh, the characters. Uh, sorry, all the ROs and three complete character roads to be offered free of charge on platform on the platforms Itch.io and Steam to recoup the cost of several upgrades already put into the game, such as music and um uh, GUI work. Uh, and pave the way to upgrade the game further still, like offer more sprite packs, more music, side stories, and new characters. There are three fully developed characters. Their names are Mori, uh, Amir Nalthari, and Akello Jones. And they all have monster forms that you can kind of see. Um, the current features of the game are you can choose your name and pronouns. You can choose your body type for sex scenes. Whether the player is described Ooh. as having a penis, <laughs> vagina, or a mystery. Yeah, oh, so, I love those. Yeah, so this is fully like 18 and over. <laughs> you can change the options of, of them at any point in the game. There is stream-safe audio, so if you want to turn off the naughty bits, a diverse cast of characters from a variety of backgrounds and cultures. Each character has multiple endings, a human ending, a monster ending, and a decline getting together ending, so you get rejected. <laughs> and... <laughs> Spicy scenes with both the human and monster. Oh my form. god, it's twenty. There are also ace. I know. Go ahead. Yeah, there's also ace-friendly relationships, so you can decline hooking up with characters without making them sad or angry. And there's currently a demo each. Um, uh, they're currently um, uh, each demo is about thirty to forty-five minutes long. There's no ads, no microtransactions, and no AI assets used. Uh, they have some gameplay available. It is incredibly interesting. This is like a giant endeavor for one person. <laughs> that sounds amazing, though. Mm-hmm. In so 2023, with all that is at my fingertips, literally, why am I so excited <laughs> about having sex with avatars on the internet? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's something oh, spicy yeah. about it. There's something appealing and alluring about oh, absolutely, sexually I, drawn men on the internet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was into like anime porn. Oh wow, <laughs> so dirty. <laughs> so I get it. I it just, get it. It takes out things that you would be like exaggerated or what would be like kinks that are right, possible yeah. IRL and kind of makes them like real or almost tangible, but not really. It's all in your head. Yeah. Uh, in the end. But anyways, so you can always pledge uh, without expecting a reward. You just want to support it. But the base pledge starts at $2, which is the supporter tier. You get added to the game's credits uh, page as a Kickstarter supporter, and you get a special Kickstarter backer exclusive Discord role and access to the private Kickstarter backer channel on the Tri-City Monsters Discord. At $5 you get the digital goodies tier. So you get the Discord role, name and credits, wallpaper pack, a digital love letter, and access to unlock digital stretch goals. Um, and then at $15, you can get the an acrylic standee. So the, it's the standee tier. So you can get an acrylic standee of Mori, Amir, or Kello. And uh, you'll get all the other previous uh, rewards as well. And then at $35, you can get three acrylic standees, one of each character. And then at $40, you get the, this is the Early Bird Limited Edition 3D mouse pad of your choice. So 
you get a titty mouse pad, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what that means. That's what that is. So there right now, as of this, there's only four left, and I oh wow, it's very possible that there's only going to be three left because I'm probably going to put my name down on this. <laughs> and then there's a non uh, early bird one that's at forty five dollars. At $55, there's a Dakimakura tier, which means you get a body pillow of one of the characters. Oh, Please do not gosh. look or perceive me right now. I will or will not say whether I own one of these. <laughs> um, so the game itself is going to be three. This is all just like kind of like merch and stuff like that to like support the game. Um, so there's like... The mouse pads, there's that Kimakura, but this is all for proceeds to go into making the game and like fully expanding it more and still making it available for free, both on Steam and on Itch.io. And on Itch.io, um, uh, it is the character demos are already there, so you can sort of play this already. It's a visual novel, which basically means it's sort of like a kind of like an audio book or like a yeah, like a visual book. Something like yeah. that. It's like, yeah, like Dream Daddy, yeah. pretty much. It's kind of like a yeah, choose-your-own-adventure. Like yeah, it's a choose-your-own-adventure, but digitalized. Right. Video <laughs> game eyes. There you go. Nice. Yeah, my words are failing uh, me right now. Anyways, this is really, really deeply interesting to me. It has a current goal of $5,000. That's it? It's currently yeah, with 59 backers and 28 days to go. It very much seems like more of a like passion project for this person. Uh, and this is kind of them being like, hey, like I need money to live. So like they're like, this is gonna be free no matter what. Just kind of like help me out. And if you like want to buy merch and stuff like that, here it is. Like, here's your reward for helping me out. So it's Tri-City Monsters on Kickstarter. Um the game is currently available to be wishlisted on Steam, and you can play the demos on itch.io, which is basically itch.io. It's another, it's like a kind of like indie game um, uh, site that, uh, there's a lot of free ones. There's like some that I think that you, that you have to pay for, but it is 100% like, like mostly like indie devs and also like kind of the spicier stuff. The the <laughs> the rated R games that we're not supposed to talk about. I never knew those existed. <laughs> I'm here for it. Oh, there's so many. I just uh, ask somebody at the shop. They will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, if you want to see something that somebody somewhere probably has recommendations for you. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. I like if that. If you if you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. Now you know. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Okay, so today for you, uh, Juntos y Fuertes, as a reminder, is a segment where we highlight uh, endeavors and projects of um, members of marginalized um, communities. And today I have for you Chingona Vida. Uh, Chingona Vida is dedicated to all the powerful women who live life with a purpose and are resilient no matter the roller coaster ride. Their mission is to share the Chingona story and to empower other Chingonas along the way. 
so it says here that, uh, and if you don't know what a chingona is, they come in all shapes and sizes, shades, uh, oh, all shapes, shades, and sizes. A chingona is defined as a badass woman who empowers, inspires, and leads. A woman that chooses to live life on her own terms and is the maker of her own camino. She never settles for less, even if that means she has to put in overtime to accomplish her goals. Every life lesson, along with passion and fire, is what fuels her soul. She is a genuine, she is a genius at multitasking and is never afraid to use her voice. Su familia y gente are the most important to her, along with her cafecito. A chingona is proud of who she is and where she came from. Be on the lookout for the next Chingona president. So you can go to uh, chingonavida.com and there is um, a lot of um, merch that you can buy. Um, they are 100% behind women's rights, civil rights, uh, and uh, do a lot of, um, uh, of uh, like, um, what do you call it? activism um you mm -hmm. can buy art prints you can buy bags hats keychains magnets magnets stickers um and they have just a really um lot of to choose from as far as uh designs um they were at the um celebration of words tia chucha festival that we were at the last couple uh oh, two weeks yes. ago and um all of the designs are uh their own uh and it's just really cool to see uh, a woman driven uh company and organization um especially with this latin x flavor and um uh presentation so um chingonavida.com you can sign up for their newsletter you can go on by print um and you can learn about um what they are doing in the community that is super awesome <laughs> All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And who are we saludando today, Kristen? So today we are giving saludos to Claudia Ramos, who is the creator, founder of Hola Mijas Bonitas. Um, she has, uh, Claudia has created the Hola Mijas Bonitas brand and its characters to share her own diverse, lively experiences growing up in Los Angeles. The artist behind all the illustrations seen with the brand, Claudia's goal is to bring inclusivity and diversity to the world through her product. She is proud to be the first generation in her family originally originally from El Salvador, to have graduated with a BA from CSUN, uh, that's the California State University, Northridge, um, and to be an entrepreneur. She says, I want to spread joy and happiness to the world. So we met Claudia originally at the Latino Arts Comics Festival uh, up in Modesto. And when I saw her there, I invited her to be a part of our um, free comic book day. And she came and she had such a great time. Um, she is a... Um, a stationary brand, uh, Hola Mijas Bonitas, 
is a Latinx stationery brand that showcases the beauty of diversity, friendship, and having fun through a range of colorful and cute hand-illustrated products. So Claudia actually uh, draws all the art on all of her products. She has notebooks, stickers, packs of keychains, a stamp set, um, and her characters, Claudia, Amber, Miley, Rosa, and Lisbeth, um, all are from the same neighborhood where everyone around them is unique and beautiful. You can follow Hola Mijas Bonitas at Hola Mijas Bonita on Instagram. And if you have any questions, you can go to Hola Mijas Bonitas dot shop. Um, that's H O L A M I J A S B O N I T A S dot S H O P. And her characters are so cute. Like I bought one of her journals um, from Free Comic Book Day, and I just—I actually I don't even know what I did with it because I was when I saw her there uh, when we were uh, there a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh my god, I for—I used to write in this journal all the. Well, I use it for work, but I'm like, I used to use this all the time. I don't know what happened to it. Um, but the one that I have has um, a little chubby Latina on it. And the caption says, you got this, mija. So um, I just think her her characters are cute. And um, if you, I highly, highly recommend for you to go and check out Ola Mijas Bonitas. And she has just recently created Hola Mijos Bonitos, um, a whole new cast of characters of young Latinx um, uh, male characters. That is so cool. I was eyeing her um, display at the Achuchas, and um, there was one notebook that said something like, oh, uh, something like about uh, forgetting your earrings. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of my mom because she said, you practically feel naked if you don't wear earrings. And I was like, that reminded me of my mom. And I'm like, because of that reason, I actually have a pair of earrings that are my backup earrings in my car. (laughs) So if I forget putting on earrings i'll just put those on and leave them in the car just for emergencies <laughs> that is so cool all right guys that brings us to the end of this episode where can they find us you can find us at commodicycomics.com where you can find links to all of our social media uh and some information about each of uh the hosts here Yes, don't forget, we also have a YouTube channel. Just search Comadres y Comics, and you can find a lot of amazing, talented comic creators, that, and they tell you their story, how their history with comics, and um, how they came about in creating their stories, and um, maybe inspire you to create your own. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your uh, feedback. We appreciate you guys always being here and listening to our podcast and every episode. Uh, We wouldn't be here without you. Um, Thank you so much. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network.